On the show today, the EU files antitrust charges against Amazon for its use of third-party seller data, students are complaining about the use of online proctoring services for exams, our scam of the day is a generous offer from a past Powerball winner, and today's tip teaches you how you can help keep your credit report safe. All of that and more is coming up on the November 16th, 2020 edition of Cybersecurity Made Personal. Helping you stay safe in a connected world. This is Cybersecurity Made Personal. Hello and welcome to the Cybersecurity Made Personal podcast, the safest podcast on the internet. I'm your host, Jim Herman. I have two stories on the newsbeat today. We begin in the European Union, where regulators filed antitrust charges against Amazon last week, accusing the retailer of using data from third-party sellers to gain an unfair advantage in the marketplace. The charges are the latest action by EU regulators against big tech companies, with Google and Apple already under investigation. The investigators claim that Amazon is using data from third-party retailers on the platform to determine which products it should create as part of its own brands. The problem has become worse as the coronavirus pandemic has forced more businesses to online sales with Amazon being one popular destination. Amazon could face fines up to 10% of its worldwide revenue, which would be approximately $28 billion based on its 2019 earnings. However, it's almost certain that the actual amount that will be paid by the Seattle-based company will be much, much less. And in the world of education, Many students are growing concerned about the use of online proctoring services. These services allow people to take exams over the internet while still prohibiting the use of outside materials. However, many students who have used these services are complaining about the invasive nature of the proctoring. Some people report being required to provide views of their entire room or their entire body prior to testing while others say that the examination software goes so far as to log every keystroke and examine every file on the computer. Others say that the facial recognition software used can cause issues for those with darker skin colors, a problem that's been noted for facial recognition in many different contexts. And finally, those who live in areas with poor internet access could be penalized if the connection slows or drops out during the exam. I remember taking two or three online classes while I was in college almost 15 years ago now, and my professors found alternate ways to assess our knowledge, many of which were, in my opinion, more thorough than the standard exam. It's understandable that professors want to continue to provide exams, but it seems there should be better and less invasive ways to test students' knowledge through remote learning. 
And now we move on to our scam of the day. Today's scam came to me through Facebook, from someone claiming to be Manuel Franco. Manuel Franco is the name of a Wisconsin man who won the Powerball lottery last year, something that is very relevant to this scam. The initial message read, I'm Manuel Franco, the Powerball Powerplay winner. So you have been fortuitously picked among our electoral machine on Instagram. Lucky winners, those getting 20000 this month from my giveaway program going on. Are you ready to claim your winning? Watch me here. Now I was curious why a YouTube link was included in this scam. But I visited and discovered it was just a news report from the press conference where he was revealed as the winner of the over $700 million prize. So I decided to reply. I sent back, I would love to receive $20,000. Thank you so much. What do I need to do? I was then sent a link to a Google form. I opened it in my virtual machine where I test these kind of links and I entered some junk data. I then replied back to him, I just filled out the form. I do have a couple of requests. Will the money be sent by cash, check, debit card, or wire transfer? I can't accept anything that would require me to use a bank account, since all banks are part of the global conspiracy to control everyone's life. I also don't trust the post office, UPS, or FedEx, so can you send the money by carrier pigeon instead? Please get back to me when you can. I'm really grateful for this money. Unfortunately, I guess I went a little too weird because I never heard back from him. But hopefully, I at least wasted a little bit of his time. If you encounter a scam you think we'd like to talk about on the show, you can send it to us at scam at cybersecuritymadepersonal.com. And now it's time for our cybersecurity pop quiz. Each episode, I'll ask you a question in the field of online security or privacy, and it's your job to figure out the right answer. Once again, this week's question is multiple answer, so any combination of these answers could be correct. The question is, which of these steps should you take before you sell, donate, or dispose of an old device? A. Move everything to the trash can or recycle bin and empty it. B. Back up your data before doing anything else. C. For a phone or tablet, encrypt the device before you perform a factory reset. Or D. Remove any memory cards you've added to the device. The answer will be revealed in next week's episode. But if you want to know it right away, you can go to cybersecuritymadepersonal.com slash pop quiz to find out if you're right. Plus, if you submit your guess on the website, regardless of whether you're right or wrong, you can be entered to win a $25 Amazon gift card when we conclude Season 2 in February. But your guess to this question must be submitted before the next episode is released at 8 a.m. on Monday, November 23rd. For official rules, visit cybersecuritymadepersonal.com slash quiz rules. Last week's question was, which of these are reasons why you might not want to use Google Drive, OneDrive, or Dropbox to back up your files? 
A, if you make changes on multiple devices, you could end up with multiple copies of your files. B, if your devices are lost in a disaster, you won't be able to download copies of your data. C, you only have one copy of your data stored on Google servers. D, if ransomware encrypts the files, your backups could also be encrypted. Or E, if you lose internet access, you could lose access to your data. The correct answers are A and D. While these services do a good job at keeping your files in sync, sometimes you make a change to one version before it's been fully updated with changes you made earlier. If that happens, you'll usually end up with two copies of the file saved. If ransomware encrypts your files, those encrypted versions could end up synced to the cloud. If the service you're using doesn't offer the ability to recover past versions of your files, a backup of your encrypted files isn't going to help you. These services do require access to the internet in order to recover the latest copies of your data, but they store copies on each device you have it installed on. So even if you lose internet access, you should still have copies of your files saved on every device. Your credit score can have a major impact on your life, determining whether you qualify for a car loan and what interest rates you'll pay for that loan. And it can also affect other areas of your life, even whether or not you get a job. We'll discuss five ways to protect your credit score when we come back from this short break. If you have a cybersecurity question you'd like to know the answer to, you don't have to wait for an episode about it. We want to hear from you, whether it's a question you have or a comment you want to leave us about the show. You can reach us by email at info at cybersecuritymadepersonal.com or you can leave a voicemail at 859-968-9399, option 2. We'd love to hear your feedback or your questions, and we will definitely consider them when we discuss future topics or changes to the show. Plus, if we select a topic based on your message, we'll be sure to recognize you in that episode. Once again, that's info at cybersecuritymadepersonal.com or 859-968-9399, option 2. Can you imagine the disappointment of finding the car of your dreams only to discover that you can't buy it because you don't qualify for a loan? That disappointment is probably experienced by people every day. But you will feel even worse if the reason you failed to qualify for the loan was because of a mistake or fraud that destroyed your credit rating. Now, to be clear, Criminals aren't directly interested in destroying your credit rating. However, they are interested in making money from the use of your identity, and the accounts they open in your name will affect your credit score. It won't take long for you to go from an excellent score to an awful score if fraud or mistakes happen. 
Protecting your credit is extremely important. You might be denied for a loan, or you might have to pay high interest rates instead of the standard rates. But it can also affect other areas of your life. Some jobs may even require that you permit a credit check as part of the hiring process. Poor credit could indicate that you aren't responsible or that you could be susceptible to bribery in order to get out of debt. You don't want the moment of being denied a loan or turned down for a job to be the moment that you find out about identity theft or false information on your credit. That means it's critical that you keep tabs on what is happening on your credit report. Here are five steps you can take to help protect your credit. First, be careful where you provide your social security number. That number is your identification with the credit agencies and everything that's done financially will be tied back to that number. It seems like everyone wants you to write down that number now. Go to a doctor's office and you're asked for it. Go to a bank and you're asked for it. File your tax returns and you're asked for it. These places have very good reasons for asking for your social security number. But most of them don't actually need it, especially in writing. If you're asked for it and you don't see a reason to provide it, ask if you can decline. Some places may let you. This is even more important if you're asked to write it down. If it's being entered into a computer program, it will hopefully be encrypted when it's stored. But if it's written down, it's available for anyone who can get to that sheet of paper. You certainly hope that paper will stay safe, hopefully in a locked cabinet in a locked office that's in a locked building. But all it takes is someone carelessly tossing it into the trash instead of shredding it for it to become available for anyone. So even if a place says that they need your social security number, find out if they can type it into the computer directly instead of putting it on paper. While that still won't keep it perfectly secure, in many cases, it's a much safer option. Along the same line, don't carry your social security card in your wallet with you on a daily basis. I agree that your wallet is probably the safest place for it if you need to have it with you, such as your first day at a new job. But if you aren't going to need it that day, keep it in a safer place. And finally, if your social security number has been compromised and you're struggling to keep ahead of the identity thieves, it is possible to obtain a new number. This is only done in extreme cases, so it's not something you can do every time the number might have been compromised. But if you've dealt with repeated incidents of identity theft, where you clean up fraudulent accounts only to find that more have already been opened, it can help clean up the mess. If you've been the victim of identity theft and you want more information about how you can apply for a change to your social security number, a link to the SSA's website will be available in the show notes at cybersecuritymadepersonal.com episode 37. Second, make sure that you shred anything that has personal information, especially if that information is your social security number. A basic paper shredder can be purchased for a very small cost. I recommend you look for one that is a crosscut shredder 
which means that the pages will be cut into small pieces instead of strips. If you want extra security, you can look for a microcut shredder, which cuts it into pieces probably about the size of confetti. Shred anything that has sensitive information. Personally, I shred anything that has any reference to my credit card number, even if it's just the last four digits. While it's not possible to compromise my card from those four numbers, that's still information I don't want to be available to someone. And I even go one step beyond to keep my documents extremely secure. After I shred them with a crosscut shredder, I give the shreds to my dad, and he uses them to help start and maintain the fire pit at his neighbor's house. No one is going to be able to put those ashes back together and get anything useful. Third, check your credit report. Your credit report isn't something that only a bank can access. U.S. law allows you to obtain a copy of everything each of the three credit bureaus has saved about you once per year. You can do this in two different ways. You could choose to get your credit reports from all three bureaus at once. However, some people say you should request one report every four months. So, for example, you might request your report from Equifax in January, your report from Experian in May, and then your report from TransUnion in September. I used to try to request them every four months, but recently I've started requesting them all at once. I'll discuss more on why in the next point. To start the process of obtaining your free credit report, go to annualcreditreport.com. This is the only site for requesting your free credit report. Other sites may offer to obtain your report for you, and they will, but they'll usually try to sell you their credit monitoring services, or even worse, they'll include in their terms that they're going to sign you up for a trial and then charge you if you don't cancel. If the site asks you to enter your credit card number, don't proceed. Hopefully, you'll get your credit reports instantly and you can download and save them. But occasionally, there's issues improving your identity and you have to mail in a form. As I was preparing for this podcast, I realized I was past due on requesting my credit reports. And for some reason, the system didn't let me access them right away. So I downloaded the form and will send it in by mail this time. You also have the right to a free copy of your credit report if you have been denied for credit. When you're denied, the creditor will be required to notify you which reporting bureau was used, and you can contact them and request a copy of your report. If you're denied for credit and you have any reason to suspect that your credit report might have been the cause, definitely follow the instructions in the letter to request your free report. Fourth. Look at your online banking accounts to see if there's information about your credit score. I have accounts with a few different banks, and I can actually see my credit score from each of the three credit bureaus through online banking at the various banks. But even if you have everything with one bank and you can only see one credit bureau's number, keep an eye on it. If you see any sudden changes, especially downward, and you haven't done anything that should affect it, you definitely might want to start investigating. 
Your online banking may also give you tips on how you can improve your score. For example, a few years ago, I was informed that the fact I didn't have any kind of car or home loan on my credit report was one factor weighing it down. When it came time for me to buy a new car, I opted to take out a loan even though I could have paid in cash. Initially, it did drop my credit rating slightly, but my rating improved as I paid off the loan. This is the reason why I now request all my reports at once. I keep a close eye on my credit rating through all of these sites, so I'm aware of where it stands. If something negative is reported to one credit bureau, it could still take a year before you get back to that report. But by checking my score through online banking, I'm alerted to changes very quickly. Fifth, don't be afraid to utilize credit freezes and fraud alerts. If you know or you suspect that your social security number has been compromised, have a fraud alert put on your account. This forces banks to take additional precautions to verify your identity before they can issue credit in your name. You could also put a freeze on your credit, which prevents anyone, even yourself, from opening credit until it's lifted. Both of these are free, and they're done through the credit bureaus themselves. Your credit report is extremely important, and it's up to you to make sure that the information reported is correct. In the past 10 years, I've identified two factual errors on my own credit report, both of which could have had a significant impact on my score. Meanwhile, identity theft also continues to grow, which brings with it the possibility of massive credit issues. So how can you protect your credit? First, try to avoid giving your social security number out whenever you can. Second, shred anything with your social security number or any other personal information. Third, take advantage of your free annual credit report from each of the credit bureaus. Fourth, Monitor your credit score through online banking portals if your bank offers it. And fifth, don't be afraid to use credit freezes and fraud alerts to make it more difficult for someone to open credit in your name. That's all for today. Thank you for joining us, and come back again next Monday, where we will discuss how you can spot hidden cameras in your hotel or Airbnb rentals. Until next time, Stay safe. Thanks again for joining us for the Cybersecurity Made Personal podcast. Check out the show notes page linked in the description for links to the articles mentioned, more information about today's tip, and a transcription of this episode. If you enjoyed this episode, we'd love it if you would consider visiting our welcome page at cybersecuritymadepersonal.com slash welcome. There, you can find more information about the show and links to some of our most popular episodes. Cybersecurity Made Personal is provided for educational purposes only. Don't take any action on your computer unless you fully understand what you are doing and the possible consequences. Visit cybersecuritymadepersonal.com disclaimer for more information. Cybersecurity Made Personal is a production of Personal Cybersecurity, LLC. I'm Jim Herman. Thanks for listening, and stay safe.